We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 618 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. It is the day on which non-quarterback veterans are due to report for 2023 Commander's Training Camp. It is the day before the first full team practice of 2023 Commander's Training Camp. The Commander's 2023 offseason essentially is over. (laughs) And now the fun begins. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast, the only Washington, D.C. area sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday with each episode out oh so early each weekday morning. And hey, sometimes like this past Saturday morning, We do special scheduled emergency installments of the podcast because always remember the only thing more urgent than an emergency is a scheduled emergency. But never forget, this is the podcast that follows Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. Let us do the work for you. Uh, My friends, we on Monday had Commander's Football News, uh, to which I will react Next segment, the Commanders on Monday afternoon announced that they had released left guard Andrew Norwell. And then we on Monday evening had multiple reports that the team was signing unrestricted free agent kicker Michael Badgley. We have some things to talk about with these developments, including now competition at kicker. Uh, Jacked up Joey Sly. (laughs) He will be kicking for his job during training camp. Uh, and presumably during the preseason. Uh, Then, a special guest on the show, the Mouth of the South. Uh, No, not one of the best managers in pro wrestling history, Jimmy Hart, although he'd be a good guest. Uh, He, too, is known as the Mouth of the South. But I'm talking about our guy, our friend, commander's analyst and former Redskins corner, Fred Smoot. Few people bring the knowledge and the energy and the humor 
the way that our guy Smoot does. Uh, I was into it talking with Fred Smoot, and we're going to discuss, yes, the new era now for the Commanders with the purchase of the team by the Josh Harris Group. And yes, what Smoot is thinking with Sam Howell being positioned to be the QB1 for this coming season, but also the Commanders secondary. I'm going to have Smoot give us a deep dive on the secondary, because I believe that Washington may well have its best secondary since Smoot and corner Sean Springs and safety Sean Taylor were doing their thing in those 2004, 2005, and 2007 seasons. Notice I did not bring up the 2006 season of the Skins defense. That season was hideous, but the team's defenses for the 04, 05, and 07 seasons were good. Uh, Does Washington have its best secondary in essentially a generation? Uh, Fred Smoot is coming up. Uh, Also on the show, uh, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles, and that's on Monday night. I got ripped a 10-6 loss to the National League worst Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park. But the O's on Monday evening, they won again a 3-2 win at the Philadelphia Phillies despite blowing a 2-1 eighth inning lead and excellent outing by starting pitcher Dean Kramer as the O's now are 24 games above 500 for this 2023 regular season at 62-38. and Best record in the American League. The O's have won 13 of their last 16 games. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have been hearing from a lot of you on the uh, reignited name issue with our football team. Uh, The name was one of the many things that I discussed with Commanders Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 on Monday's show, episode 617. Uh, J.P. was great. Email from one of the many legal experts of this show, Neil Mullen. Uh, He is an adjunct professor at George Mason's Antonin Scalia Law School. Uh, Neil practiced labor and employment law for three-plus decades. He's a big Commanders fan. The subject of Neil's email is the MFing name, (laughs) writes Neil. Can we stop already with the name stuff? No, Commanders isn't great, and it would not have been my choice, but pretty much all sports names sound ridiculous until they are said often enough to lose their meaning, and there is a 0.0% chance any new name would satisfy everyone. We need a name that is uniquely tied to the city, one that fits D.C. and no place else. You mean like the Lions and the Giants and the Browns? We need a snarling, aggressive name that shows how we intend to play. Uh, You mean like the Cardinals or the Saints? Commanders just sounds dopey. We need a name that sounds cool. You mean like the Packers? I think that most of the vocalized dissatisfaction with the new name stems from petulance about the loss of the old name. Well, people need to grow up. That name is gone for good. It offended people, including a significant percentage of Native Americans. The fact that those offended may have constituted a minority and not a majority of the population is irrelevant. You don't run a business by doing stuff that insults a significant minority of potential customers and public sector constituencies. Fancy to stop whining about the name and move on to the more meaningful topics. You know, like whether the uniform color is burgundy or cranberry. (laughs) Give me strength. Uh, Thank you for the email, Neil. Uh, Well, what is tricky about the old name is that it may be that it didn't insult a significant minority of Native Americans. Some, yes, that's undeniable. But a significant minority, there's a lot of gray area with that. 
And, you know, the gray area gets even grayer when you try to define significant minority. Like, is that 40%, 30%, 20%, 10%? do we define significant minority? That's hard to say. Uh, but always remember, the name Redskins went away, not because of protests, not because an overwhelming majority of anyone thought that the name needed to go away. No. The name Redskins went away because of the internal feud going on between the team's ownership group, right? Dan Snyder versus three limited partners, including Fred Smith, who was the chairman, president, and chief executive officer of FedEx, which, of course, put out the public statement calling for the team to change its name. Fred Smith took advantage of the ongoing climate in this country at the time and used that against Dan, weaponized that against Dan. Fred Smith did not all of a sudden find religion with the name, okay? The name of the team changed because of Dan's feud with his limited partners and because other corporate entities got on board with wanting the team to change its name, including Nike, which famously has used slave labor in China, and Amazon, which to this day sells Cleveland Indians Chief Wahoo merchandise. The hypocrisy in the name chain saga is an all-timer, no matter where you stand on the name. I think that we can all agree on that. I mean, (laughs) Nike pulling Redskins apparel from the company's website, but in China relying on forced labor from Uyghurs who are an ethnic minority in China. And by the way, that's not some dated thing. The Washington Post in a piece published on February 29th, 2020, reported of a Nike supplier in China relying on forced labor from Uyghurs. Uh, Nike grandstanding with its stance on the Redskins name was a joke. Uh, Email from John L. writes, John, the new owners, when they feel the time is right, should change the team name. Keeping the name Commanders is like having married a beautiful and great woman who was previously divorced. And after you marry her, She keeps her ex-husband's last name and does not take your last name. Just like keeping the name Commanders, the stench on the marriage, and for us, the team, will always exist. Al, thank you for the good work you do. I appreciate how you always present both sides of a story with no bias and a bit of dry humor. From day one, I have yet to miss a podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for that, John. I enjoyed your analogy, man. Uh, That would be pretty emasculating. A guy marries a divorced woman and she keeps the last name of her previous husband. Does that ever actually happen? I have no idea. I guess ask my wife in a few years, right? (laughs) Uh, Email from Ramesh in the United Kingdom. Uh, writes Ramesh, greetings from the UK. I'd like to weigh in on the name change as this once again becomes a hot topic. Uh, I appreciate that the new Washington team owners have more immediate priorities, but I hope that this doesn't mean that the name of the team will remain unchanged. I grew up supporting the team in the 1980s and still cringe when I hear the C word. I commend you for your recent discussion of the team name with the Native American Guardians Association voices that have not been heard from enough in the name change process. One of my key takeaways from this discussion was that we shouldn't be whitewashing Native American names and symbols from the public arena. There is an opportunity for the team to help to maintain the profile of Native American heritage in the public arena in a respectful and positive way. We can do this by updating the name of the team in a way that respects and promotes Native American heritage and acts as a natural progression from Boston Braves and Washington Redskins. This must be done with central and high-profile input from the Native American community. 
My preference, like many other fans, is to go back to Redskins, but if that's not possible, we could choose a generic name, including the option of going back to Braves, or perhaps a tribal name like Apache or Cherokee. Of course, I would retain the old Redskins logo. What do you think, Al? Keep up the great work on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for that. Ramesh, never ceases to amaze me. How many fans of the team are in the UK? Well, I think that if the team is going to change from Commanders to a Native American-themed name, then going back to Redskins is the way to go. Going with Braves or a tribal name of some sort uh, would be splitting the baby in half, okay? Nobody would be happy. If you're going to jump back into the pool of having a Native American-themed name, uh, then going back to Redskins is the way to go. Now, doing that to me would require two things, and these are two very important things. Number one, a legitimate good faith relationship between the team and the Native American community. Uh, Not something like this phony baloney original Americans Foundation that the team set up years ago. The Skins in March 2014 created a nonprofit organization called the Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation. Uh, It ended up being nothing close to what it was supposed to be. I know, shocking. Uh, Number two, an intelligent, coherent, compassionate, fact-based argument for the name Redskins, including petitioning the major dictionaries to add another non-pejorative definition of the word Redskins. Uh, Both of these things are doable, But whether the Josh Harris group wants to do these things and whether the NFL would support the Harris group in doing these things uh, are two big questions. Well, what is not in question is what is happening in the home and auto insurance markets right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Uh, You right now have every reason to shop your home at auto insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com and you'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance. It offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, and BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you.
All right, before we get to our guest, Commanders analyst and former Redskins corner Fred Smoot, we on Monday did have some Commanders news. Uh, the Commanders on Monday afternoon announced that they had released left guard Andrew Norwell. And then we on Monday evening had multiple reports that the team was signing unrestricted free agent kicker Michael Badgley. Uh, let us begin with Badgley, who first of all has one of the great nicknames in the NFL the Money Badger, <laughs> a play, of course, off the nickname for NFL safety Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. The commanders are signing the Money Badger. Uh, but yeah, we now are set to have a kicker competition in 2023 commanders training camp. Joey Sly versus Michael Badgley. Uh, this coming season would be Badgley's age 28 season. He entered the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts in the 2018 offseason as an undrafted free agent at the University of Miami. He actually became the Hurricanes' all-time leading scorer. Uh, he was their kicker from 2014 through 2017. Badgley, over his first five NFL seasons, 2018 through 2022, spent time with the Colts, uh, two stints in fact, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Tennessee Titans, the Chicago Bears, and the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Lions this past March re-signed Badgley as an unrestricted free agent, but they last Thursday released Badgley despite him in the 2022 regular season for the Lions going 20-24 on field goals and 33-33 of on extra points. It's not like Michael Badgley had some hideous 2022 season. The commander's kicker for the 2022 season, of course, was Joey Sly. Uh, he, in the 2022 regular season, went 25 of 30 on field goals, but just a 24 of 28 on extra point attempts. He missed a lot of extra points. Uh, I have zero problem uh, with the team bringing in competition for Sly. And keep this in mind, too. Joey Sly's 2022 season ended in a bad way. Sly in the commander's season-ending win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18 went just a 2 of 4 on field goals and just 2 of 3 on extra points. I know that that was only one game, but I do wonder how much that uh, final impression uh, might be a factor in the commanders bringing in competition for Sly. Uh, meantime, Andrew Norwell. So the expected finally has become official. Uh, one of the funnier things this commander's offseason, I guess it hasn't been funny for Andrew Norwell, but uh, one of the funnier things for the rest of us has been commander's head coach Rod Rivera on three different occasions in this offseason in discussing the team's left guard situation, promoting a competition between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul, and not even mentioning Andrew Norwell, and last asked about him. Uh, Norwell had been under contract to the team. Uh, these three occasions were Ron Sessions with reporters on March 28th in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the NFL's annual league meeting. Uh, Ron's joint post-NFL draft press conference with general manager Martin Mayhew on April 29th and Ron's pre-OTA practice press conference on May 24th. Ron, at each of these press conferences, talked up a competition between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul and didn't even mention Andrew Norwell unless asked about him. Uh, then the commanders on May 30th announced that they had placed Norwell on the reserve slash physically unable to perform list. And also on that day were multiple reports that the team would be releasing Norwell once he passed the physical. And now the team has released Norwell. It's funny. We on Monday had news regarding both Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner. Uh, we on Monday morning had multiple reports that Turner, who's an unrestricted free agent, was visiting the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, two Commanders, uh, two former Carolina Panthers who the Commanders in the 2022 offseason signed as unrestricted free agents. And uh, 
neither guy worked out. Uh, Norwell for last season was the team starting left guard. Turner for last season was the team starting right guard, and neither guy played well. Uh, last season was Norwell's age 31 season. He in the 2022 regular season started 16 of the commander's 17 games, but he registered an overall grade for pro football focus of just 59.8. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Norwell and Trey Turner really came to represent the collapse of the team's offensive line. Uh, the Commanders finished the 2022 regular season number 27 in the NFL in team pass block win rate for ESPN and number 19 in the NFL in team run block win rate for ESPN. And we this offseason, of course, have seen major change uh, with the offensive line, including the signing of unrestricted free agent tackle slash guard Andrew Wiley. Uh, who is being positioned to be the team's new starting right tackle with Samuel Cosme as the new starting right guard. It'll be interesting to see if Andrew Norwell catches on somewhere. You know, he actually is a really good story. He came into the NFL with the Panthers as an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State in 2014. He played for the Panthers from 2014 through 2017. It was during that time that uh, Ron Rivera was the Panthers' head coach and the commander's executive vice president of football slash player personnel, Marty Herney. His second stint as Panthers general manager was from July 2017 to December 2020. So Norwell and Herney overlapped some as well. Again, Andrew Norwell, a commander. Uh, but, you know, the number one commander's football storyline in terms of actual players for 2023 training camp is how quarterback Sam Howell does. But number two to me, is the offensive line. The offensive line is a really big deal. The team's offensive line last season was terrible. Uh, this off, remember, Washington's offensive line in the 2021 season having been very good. So as much as the focus is on Sam Howell, if the offensive line isn't appreciably better, it's going to be hard for Sam to be good. Well, this is a Washington, D.C. area sports podcast that features Commander's Conversation on every show, uh, no matter the time of year. The bulk of our Commander's Conversation lately, of course, has been about the oh-so-glorious sale of the team, but the time for football has arrived. 2023 Commander's Training Camp is getting going. Uh, quarterbacks and rookies reported last Friday. Other veterans are due to report on Tuesday. The first full team practice is on Wednesday. I am very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast right now, a man who knows the commanders quite well. He co-hosted the team's training camp pep rally at FedEx Field this past Friday afternoon. He is commander's analyst and former Redskins corner Fred Smoot, the mouth of the South. <laughs> uh, Smoot played for the Skins from 2001 through 2004, and then from 2007 through 2009. Uh, he was taken by the Skins in the second round of the 2001 NFL Draft out of Mississippi State. You can follow Smoot on Twitter at FSmoot21, Sean T. Smoot, my man, how are you? I'm good, God. How you doing, brother? It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you were front and center at that event at FedEx Field last Friday afternoon. And what an event that ended up being was billed as a training camp pep rally, but uh, it morphed into a massive celebration of the Josh Harris group buying the team. You know, the energy that has been generated by this sale has been awesome. And that energy figures to be present as training camp is getting going at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia, and fans are attending these training camp practices. 
this is how I see it as a Washington fan, period, all around the spectrum. Uh, Washington, sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. We're going through a rebirth in everything. The baseball team has numerous young prospects going through a rebirth. Uh, we're watching the Wizards be reborn right now. Uh, new ownership with the Washington football team, with the commanders. Everything's being redone, rebirthed. It should be a very exciting time. And for a long time, I can say this about this this team. We have a legit home-cooked roster. Uh, you look at the pro bowlers on this roster, they're all home-cooked. We drafted them, we nurtured them. They are who they are. Right, we have a top flight wide receiver, top ten with Terry. We have a, we have two top ten uh, defensive tackles that we've already sold up and repaid. Uh, we have two top flight DNs that we need to figure out what we're going to do with drafting defensive backs. Has always been a catalyst of this team going way back to Dale Green. I can I can call out ten guys in between to show you the the, the proof on that. So at the end of the day, I just think this roster. Uh, you got a stacked backfield, running backs. You got a tight end room that I'm telling people right now. Cole Turner is one of them guys. If he could just stay healthy, he can really be one of those guys. I uh, so when I look at this roster, man, I'm like, I'm saying, you know what? Forget what everybody else talking about. This is a if you stay healthy roster, we gonna win more than ten games. That's how I feel about this team. That would be lovely. So I want to hone in on the commander's secondary. Washington this coming season has a chance to have a very good defense for a third time in four seasons. Uh, Those three seasons would be 2020, 2022, and hopefully 2023. The last time that Washington had a very good defense in three or four seasons was during your first four seasons with the team. The 2004, 2005, and 2007 Skins defenses were very good, especially in the secondary with you and Sean Springs at corner and Sean Taylor at safety, and uh, there were others who contributed as well. Uh, This Washington secondary for this coming season with Emmanuel Forbes, Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice at corner, and Cameron Curl, and Derek Forrest at safety, and an all-purpose weapon in Quan Martin, to me, has a chance to be the team's best secondary since at least you guys back in the day. Do you in this secondary see the potential for greatness? Well, I've, I've had a lot of talks with them, and I told them I played with some on some great defenses. But I think I've been a part of six or seven top five defenses. Uh, never have I had a defensive line like theirs. Never, never in my dream. I wish I could. I, the thing about it is, good defensive line play and good defensive back play rubs together. You can't have one without the other. They can't get sacks unless we cover. We can't get picks unless they make the quarterback uncomfortable. I right, well, this team will make the com- quarterback uncomfortable through the A gap, the B gap, the C gap and the D gap. And it allows one Jack Del Rio to relax and call plays that he wants to call. He's not a prisoner of the moment anymore. Like sometimes you can only call plays considering what you got on the field. And when you got a, a dollar Bill Jackson, a William Jackson back there who's who's lost confidence, who can't find himself, you cannot call the plays you want to call. But I promise you this about Emmanuel Forrest, that dirty old dog from Mississippi State. He gonna get that ball back. Corn Martin, that youngster, he adds a lot to it. And don't and don't ever forget 
the power of Jedi mind tricks. When you go draft two guys, first and second round, to play in the defensive backfield, it tells a St. Juice. It tells a Kendall Fuller. It tells everybody to wake the hell up. Let's go got, Let's go play our best ball. So I'm expecting this defensive backfield with the mixture of Jack Del Rio calling plays and this defensive line. I'm, I'm looking for them to have the big the biggest year when it comes to winning games, meaning making plays that affect you winning games. I think this defensive backfield is going to be special in that, in that regard. Uh, your guy, your fellow Mississippi State product, uh, Emmanuel Forbes. I know that you were thrilled when the Commanders took him with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Could he already be the team's best corner? Oh, most definitely. You don't draft a guy that high in the first round and he's not your number one corner. I don't know what you do that if you draft a guy like Fred Smoot and Champ Bailey and Daryl Green on the team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and eventually, and I end up starting that year. So at the end of the day, he went to, Jack said one thing to me that just sticks out. I need to get the ball back. I drafted him because he could get the ball back. That's my focus, turnovers. And if you give a young quarterback like Sam Howell uh, 10 short fields, uh, that that changes the, the, the aspect of games. That changes games. And getting a manual full of, yes, He's going to go through all the ups and downs any other rookie going to go through. But I promise you this, he's going to make more plays than he give up, and he's going to ignite everybody else to do it. Like, it's similar, it's similar like D. Hall. D. Hall was one of those guys where the ball finds him. Dre Bly, Rende Barber, where this guy, our guy, Manuel Forbes, has that same thing where the ball and the magnet, they are cut, they, they are cut together. So at the end of the day, I just think this defensive backfield and especially Manuel Forbes is going to be special. You're very good at making NFL comps. You just mentioned some guys. Does Emmanuel Forbes remind you of any NFL corners? Uh, yeah, a guy that I actually grew up with named Fred Smoot. <laughs> 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 well, it's, so, it's just so many things. You know, beyond us both being from Mississippi, we was out, We were both, I was 173 pounds coming in. I was just talking to Darryl Green. Darryl said, hey, the last two corners they drafted at 170 pounds turned out to be great corners for him, and that was me and you. Darryl Green was 175 pounds. I was 173, and now he's 175. So if we stay on the course we're going on, it looks like we're doing a damn good job. But he reminds me, uh, really, though, of of, of Rogers Camardi. All right, he, he, he was a very long corner. All right, that can go out and make plays. All right, uh, a guy that this is what I love about corners with long arms. I got long arms. You can't throw fade routes on me. You can't throw the. If you if you can go back through my whole career, do you remember people? Don't want fade routes on me in the red zone. They just didn't even try. Because uh, it, it, it you're not going to be able to get it done off of um length alone. His length takes away routes. You don't throw fade routes. So I told him you have to learn how to cover the comeback route. That's going to be their favorite route on you. Back shoulder is going to be the favorite route on you. But his length alone and his ball skills, he's an ex-wide receiver. You got two type of wide, I mean, two type of corners. Right, uh, Sean Springs used to play running back. His daddy played running back for the Cowboys. He used to play running back. All right. You got Deion Sanders, used to play uh, wide receiver on offense. Champ Bailey, wide receiver. I used to play wide receiver. I mean, four used to play wide receiver. When you used to play wide receiver, it puts you in the head of the wide receiver and it allows you to go out there and make plays. And that's why I think he's going to be special. The issue of Emmanuel Forbes' uh, lack of mass, uh, not so much his size. I mean, the commanders list him as being six feet tall, but his weight, uh, they also list him as being just 180 pounds. When you hear people being concerned about the weight of Emmanuel Forbes, you say what? I say so. So what? 
All right, what you mean here, 175 pounds? He missed no games. He played in the SEC. He tackles well. So look at like this. And, I, and I'm, I'm one of them people I have lived it. I have felt it. When they can't hate on your game, they'll hate on your frame. <laughs> they will find something to try to X out. So I said you already did your job because they can't hate on your ball skill. They can't hate on your uh, technique. They can't hate on the fact that you make plays on all three levels of the day. They can't hate on nothing. So all they're going to say is you're skinny. When I tell you something else, he's, what, 21, 22 years old? Between the steaks he's going to eat and the weights he's going to lift, he'll be all right. Much more with Fred Smoot in moments. I'm going to next ask him who will be the commander's number one nickel corner this coming season. Who will handle the slot? Uh, well, if you have a big event that you're planning, know that Catering by Uptown can handle whatever you need. Uh, catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown. It is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, also, know this, Catering by Uptown is looking for summer help, specifically for the event waitstaff. Uh, no experience is necessary, and you get paid in-house training. Uh, this is a great opportunity if you're looking for summer work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Commander's Analyst and former Skins corner Fred Smood. Uh, so having a good slot corner in the NFL matters more than ever before. Uh, as we think about what this 2023 Commander's secondary could be, who do you see as being the primary nickel corner for the team this coming season? Great question, God, because I don't know. Uh, I've watched him uh, put everybody. I watched him put Ford in there. I watched him put St. Juice in there. Uh, I think it's going to end up being Kendall Fuller when the year is over. Because I think you want those two unicorns outside. You got two guys, six, two and a half, and tall on the outside. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make it hard for, for quarterbacks to throw in certain windows. And I think Kendall is the brainchild of everything. The question is, how comfortable is he when it comes to the run front? And can you hide him in the run front with that defensive line and your linebackers? And that's what you're going to have to do. Because the one thing out of the three, I think he's probably the one that doesn't tackle as well as you, as everybody wants him to, but I think he's the smartest. I think his brain will help him get the plays way before they even develop, and he will be able to do it. So I think when it comes down to it, I think Kendall Fuller will be the nickel. I just don't know which pair they're going to start. That's interesting. Could you see a second-round rookie in Quan Martin being the commander's top nickel for this coming season? I really do. I really do. I think he does, and then that asks the question, who do you Who's the odd man out? Yeah, and that's going. And it's going to be one of those situations. Is yes, uh, can two rookies come in and take two veterans' jobs? Because let's not act like for all the stuff we know we needed in the defensive backfield, we still legitimately have two legit starters at corner, and we have two with 
Defro, two legit starters with Cam at safety. All right, so when you bring these guys in, I'm, I know you're trying to plug and play Emmanuel Forbes. Now, Quan, which homie Quan, becomes the, the he becomes the X factor. He becomes the plus. He becomes the guy that makes sure everybody playing on their game because he can play outside corner, inside corner. He can play safety. He can play whatever you need him to do. Big nickel. So he becomes that guy that. That, that holds everybody accountable. And he's the guy that you know trying to take reps. And, and I know in the defensive back room, uh, 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 defensive room, he's a guy that everybody's watching and saying, you know what, I'm not letting him try to take my reps. But it, if he comes up and he plays well, he will. You brought up Derek Forrest, a tremendous breakout season for him last season. Washington took him in the fifth round of the 2021 draft. Didn't play much in his rookie season, but was a big-time impact player in his second season. What was the difference for him last season? You know what? I love his excitement. I love his energy. I always got a smile on his face. And he's one of those Johnny on the spot, you give me a chance and I'll show you what I do with it type guys. And, and when he gets a chance to play, he goes out there and leads the team in interceptions. I'm sorry. It's, it's just going to be hard to put him back on the bench. You can't put him back on the bench. He, he gives you, put it like this, he gives you no reason. To put him on the bench. He makes plays in the run game. He makes plays in the middle of the field. He makes plays uh, uh, in cut routes. He does everything you need him to do. And I can only think after a year on the field, getting that confidence, he's only going to get better in that situation. And having Cam Curl, the, the most underrated player on the team, having Cam Curl right there next to him, I just I think it, the flexibility is through the roof. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy they spent the first two picks on defensive back because it packs that room to the T. Well, I can't have you on and not ask you about the commander's quarterback situation. You and I first did radio together in 2018, and every season beginning with that season has featured our team uh, having quarterback instability slash uncertainty. Uh, So Sam Howell is being positioned as the team's QB1. I'm excited. I think that he is real upside, but where is Fred Smoot on Sam Howell? You know what? I'm going to tell you this. I think two reasons why he's going to start off very, very fast. All right, the unpredictability and the unknown. Nobody knows. All right, and for four or five games, the other team won't know either. All right, also, Eric, coach the enemy. All right, nobody, we know what Andy Reid's offense looked like. We don't know what Eric B. Enemy's offense looked like. So, therefore, that means the defensive coordinators for the first month of the season won't have anything to study. If this team starts off fast and Sam Howe has a chance to really get some confidence, because he really, his skill set is, I watched it, I watched it, I was like, who does he remind me of? I just, I kept playing, I, I didn't played against this guy before, and he reminds me of Tony Romo. So if I told you we got Tony Romo with this wide receiving core, and we got this defense, this is a winning team. And I think Sam Howell has all the attributes to that, meaning Tony was a better athlete than people gave him credit for. He used his mostly to extend plays. Our guy actually is fast enough to go out there and rush for some yards. Like, I'm not going to be shocked that Sam Howell has 600 rushing yards at the end of the year. So he can go out there and get those third downs and extend the play. And I just think I love a quarterback that has physically, emotionally, and and mentally went through something. Where this guy was slotted to be a first-round pick, dropped. We end up getting him late. I think we got a steal in him. And the last time that we went to North Carolina and got a starting quarterback was Sonny Jurgensen. So, damn it, if that's the, the, the line we're drawing it on, I'm with it. 
Ron Rivera this coming season certainly seems to be coaching for his job uh, as head coach, given the lackluster results over his first three seasons as Washington head coach and given the new ownership. If Sam Howell gets off to a slow start, will Ron stick with Sam in order to let him grow? Or will Ron bench Sam in favor of Jacoby Brissett in order to try to preserve Ron's job? You have to stick to you have to stick with him. Ain't no other choice. You know what you got in Jacoby said, one of the best backups in the league, could be a starter, but he's careful. You have to let these guys grow. I'm sorry. You can draft. Like everybody said it would really feel better if we just drafted Sam in the top ten. Now we drafted anybody in the top ten. Well, I got something for you. Just because you draft him in the top ten, don't make him a top ten player. Like quarterbacks are hard to find. Eight billion people on this planet. We haven't found thirty-two quarterbacks to play the game at the same time at the same level yet. Like so at the end of the day, your chances of finding a franchise quarterback is below 8% in this world. So, and we know as a franchise, because we haven't, we take people, old franchise quarterbacks, we take guys we try to turn into uh, franchise quarterbacks. But it's, it's a calmness to this kid. And it's not just a calmness to him. He has the offensive coordinator just so many times. I'm telling people, we had a franchise quarterback and, and, and no, nobody agree with me, but I played with him. I seen him play, and I practiced against him. We had a franchise quarterback in Jason Campbell. We gave him too many playbooks. We put him at a disadvantage. We didn't give him a chance to blossom. So at the end of the day, everything has to be right for a quarterback to blossom. And I think with Eric B. Enemy here, just the way they run practice, just the things they do, how they do it at high level, he's going to excel. Now the question is, is he going to get better each and every game so when we get to the end of the year that he's playing his best football, we don't give a damn about August. We care about November and December. Who, who is Sam Howe in November and December? We'll tell you everything. I'm with you. And we last season saw significant improvement from the number one quarterback taken in Sam Howell's 2022 draft class, the Pittsburgh Steelers' Kenny Pickett. Uh, as the season went on, the picket of November, December, and January was a lot better than the picket of September and October. Fred Smoot, Commander's Analyst and former Skins Corner, the mouth of the South. Uh, Smoot, thanks a lot. Uh, anytime, dog. All right. Always a lot of fun talking with Fred Smoot. Uh, hey, please consider following the Al Galdi podcast if you're not already doing that. Uh, following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner of the page listing the recent episodes of this podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Well, the Nationals off authoring their first sweep of a series of at least three games since June 2021 got uh, brought back down to earth on Monday night. Uh, the Nats off their three-game sweep of a good team in the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park over the weekend uh, got ripped by the worst team in the National League on Monday night, a 10-6 loss to the National League worst Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park in game one of a three-game series. And that's for this regular season now are 41 and 59, just one game ahead of the Rockies who are 40 and 60. Uh, a rather rough night for Nats pitching on Monday night. You know, their pitching in that three-game sweep of the Giants is really good, but uh, the Nats pitching in this 10-6 loss to the Rockies on Monday night, uh, not so good. Uh, Patrick Corbin, he was the Nats starting pitcher. He began his outing by tossing three scoreless innings, but things then fell apart. Uh, Corbin ultimately allowed six runs, five earned in six into third innings. He gave up 10 hits, a homer, a double, and eight singles. He issued two walks. Uh, he recorded five strikeouts. He threw 93 pitches, 55 strikes versus 38 balls. Like I said, he began his outing with the three scoreless innings, but uh, then the problems began. Uh, Corbin in the top of the fourth allowed two runs. He issued a four-pitch leadoff walk of Jerickson Profar. Corbin gave up a single by Ezekiel Tovar through the left side of the infield. Uh, Corbin gave up a one-out opposite field single by Randall Gritchick to right center field. Uh, two runs scored on that play as center fielder Alex Call bobbled the ball for a fielding error. Uh, Corbin gave up a one-out first pitch single by Nolan Jones to center field, but uh, Alex Call then had an outfield assist in throwing out Gritchick at home played. Uh, Corbin in the top of the six allowed two runs. Corbin gave up a leadoff opposite field single by Ezekiel Tovar to shallow right field on a one-two pitch. Uh, Corbin gave up a one-out opposite field single by Randall Gritchick through the right side of the infield, but Nats right fielder Lane Thomas then had an outfield assist, his 10th assist in this regular season, uh, throwing out Tovar at home. Uh, Tovar initially was called safe, but Nats manager Davey Martinez successfully challenged the play, which, by the way, included a really good tag by catcher Kate Barrett Ruiz, so that was good. Uh, but then what happened next was not good. Uh, Corbin gave up a two-out, two-run first-pitch homer by Nolan Jones to center field for a 4-0 Rockies lead. The homer went a projected 420 feet per stat cast. And Corbin, in the top of the seventh, was charged with two runs. He gave up a leadoff first pitch opposite field double by Alan Trejo off the bottom of the right center field wall. And Corbin gave up a one-out RBI single by Harold Castro on a bloop to shallow center field for a 5-0 Rockies lead. And then Davey Martinez pulled Corbin from the game. Uh, Corbin gives up so much contact. And when you do that, uh, you are going to fall victim. You are going to fall prey to the variance of the batted ball. And sure enough, Corbin in this outing, uh, yet again, gave up a lot of hits. Again, 10 hits in giving up six runs, five earned in six into third innings. Here was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Patrick Corbin. It looked bad, but it really wasn't that bad. He you know, tried to get her early hits, you know, a lot, a lot of bleeders, a um, couple ground balls that went in there. Uh, you know, for me, the one bad pitch was the homer, you know, that left the slider up in the zone. Um, but you know, the walks, the leadoff walks too. You know, that 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 that, that was big a couple times. But uh, I thought he threw. He, he was cruising there early. You know, I thought he threw the ball well. Just um, like I said, he just couldn't. We couldn't get. Uh, you know, gave him a couple bleeders and then you know a couple good base hits, and next thing you know, we're down. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, Patrick Corbin now for this regular season, 21 starts, an ERA 
of 5.01 for all of the talk of him being better this season. And he actually is better than he had been the previous two seasons. But for all of that talk, his ERA is over five. Uh, So Corbin on Monday night got roughed up and the Nats bullpen on Monday night got roughed up. Two Nats relievers officially allowed four runs in two and two-thirds innings. Uh, Those two relievers, Rico Garcia and Corey Abbott. Uh, That is the state of the Nats bullpen right now due to injury and ineffectiveness. The likes of Rico Garcia and Corey Abbott uh, are pitching for the Nats. Rico Garcia officially allowed two runs in one inning. He in his outing faced seven batters, got just three outs. Uh, Garcia in the Rockies, a two-run seventh, faced four batters and got two outs. He on the very first pitch he threw induced a flyout by Jerickson Profar on a terrific diving forward backhanded catch by center fielder Alex Call. But Garcia then issued a two-out wild pitch, gave up a two-out infield single, and issued a two-out walk. The two-out infield single was by Ezekiel Tovar on a full-count grounder to third baseman Jamer Candelario, who got charged with a throwing error on a one-hop throw that uh, first baseman Dominic Smith did not catch. Scoring on the play was Harold Castro for a 6-0 Rockies lead. Yeah, there was some sloppy Nats defense on Monday night. There also was some impressive Nats defense. Uh, But then we had Corey Abbott. Uh, Abbott officially allowed two runs in one and two-thirds innings. He faced 10 batters, got just five outs. He gave up three singles, and he issued two walks, a hit-by-pitch, a wild pitch, and a balk. Uh, Corey Abbott's outing was painful, man. Uh, This Nats bullpen this season is painful. The Nats now for this regular season have a relief pitching ERA of 550. (laughs) That is atrocious. Uh, The Nats in this 10-6 loss to the Rockies on Monday night uh, scored six runs on just seven hits. So the Nats worked three walks, went three for 12 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Jamer Candelario, you know, he presumably is playing his final games with the Nats as we approach the 2023 MLB trade deadline, which is on Tuesday, August 1st. Candelario on Monday night as the Nats starting third baseman and number three batter, two for four with a three-run homer and a double. He did get charged with that aforementioned throwing error, but Candelario in the Nats, one-run seventh, a leadoff double to center field, and Candelario in the Nats, three-run eighth, a two-out first pitch, three-run homer to left field to cut the Nats' deficit to 8-4. Jamer Candelario is having a terrific season for the Nats. I mean, here's a guy who the Nats signed this past offseason to a one-year, $5 million free agent contract, and Candelario for this 2023 regular season has an OPS of 821. Uh, Two Nats who are having very good Julys continued to do well, talking about C.J. Abrams and Kate Ruiz. Abrams on Monday night as the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter, one for four with a double and a walk. He in the bottom of the first had a leadoff first pitch double of the right field warning track. Uh, C.J. Abrams for this month of July, an OPS of 975. I mean, the guy is hitting like an MVP candidate this month. And Kate Ruiz, he on Monday night as the Nats starting catcher, a number five batter, two for four with an RBI single and an infield single. A K-Baird in the Nats, one run seventh, an RBI single through the left side of the infield. A former Nats reliever, Brad Hand, uh, to cut the Nats deficit to 6-1. K-Baird Ruiz for this month of July, an OPS of 887. Uh, also, I do want to make mention of this, quite the eventful night for Alex Cole. Uh, he is an at starting center fielder and number nine batter. Went one for four with a two-run double. Uh, Cole in the Nats, two-run ninth, a two-out, two-run opposite field double to the right center field gap 
to cut the Nats' deficit to 10-6. But how about Alex Cole's night in the field? Two outfield assists, that great diving catch that I made mention of earlier, and a fielding error. Uh, a lot was happening with Alex Cole in the field on Monday night. Game two for the Nats against the Rockies, Tuesday night at 7.05. Trevor Williams will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Well, on the one hand, the Orioles keep blowing significant leads, but on the other hand, the O's keep winning games in which the team blows significant leads. Monday evening, a 3-2 win at the Philadelphia Phillies in game one of a three-game series. The O's won this game despite blowing a 2-1 eighth-inning lead. Uh, The O's were coming off winning three or four games in a big series at the Tampa Bay Rays, despite each Orioles win in that series featuring a significant blown lead. Thursday evening, a 4-3-10 inning win, despite the O's blowing a 3-1 seventh inning lead. Saturday, a 6-5 win, despite the O's blowing a 5-0 six inning lead. Sunday afternoon, a 5-3 win, despite blowing a 3-0 fourth inning lead. Uh, the bottom line is that the O's now are 8-3 and three in their post-All-Star break portion of the season as they keep finding themselves in, yes, the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Thank you, Joe Angel. The win column doesn't matter how you get there so long as you get there. Uh, the O's for this regular season now are an American League best 62-38, and 38, two and a half games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. Uh, the Orioles' bullpen beyond their ace reliever, Felix Batista, is a concern. Uh, Batista on Monday evening was not available. Uh, same for relievers Yanir Cano and Mike Bauman. And so O's manager, Brandon Hyde, was, uh, shall we say, limited with his bullpen options. Ultimately, three Orioles relievers combined to allow one run in two innings. Danny Coulomb officially allowed a run in two-thirds of an inning. He had a Phillies one-run eighth face, four batters, got just two outs. Uh, Brian Baker faced just one batter. He and that Phillies one-run eighth. They gave up a game-tying two-out full-count RBI single by Nick Castellanos to left center field to tie the game at two, although center fielder Colton Kowser and shortstop Jorge Mateo, they teamed up to throw out the former national Bryce Harper at home for the third out in that Phillies one-run eighth. And Big-time props to catcher James McCann, who made a backhanded catch of the ball on the first base side of home plate and then dove across home plate to tag Harper for the out. What a job by McCann on that play. Uh, And then CNL Perez, he tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth despite giving up a two-out infield single and then issuing a two-out walk. So the bullpen... (laughs) Found a way to survive, although not by much. Uh, here was Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Monday night on his bullpen usage. Well, I feel like we play quite a bit of these type of games, so our guys are used to kind of craziness in the last few innings. And, um, you know, we don't we don't really blow people out, and we don't get blown out very often. We it's Usually the games are tight, so that's why, you know, I had a bunch of guys that i that thrown four out of the last five days that... Uh, weren't pitching because we just been playing. We play so many close games. So because of that, other guys. You know, we need to go. We want to go where we want to go. We got to have other guys step up and be able to pitch in those type of innings. We can't pitch Cano and Batista every single night. And uh, um, you know, Perez got through it tonight. 
Well, the O's in this 3-2 win at the Phillies on Monday evening did get great starting pitching. Dean Kramer was tremendous. He allowed one run in seven innings. He gave up just three hits, all of which were singles. He issued two walks and a wild pitch. He did record just three strikeouts, but he threw a good number of strikes, 95 pitches, 61 strikes versus 34 balls. Uh, here was Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Monday night on Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer is what did it. I mean, Dean Kramer goes seven innings, gives up one run, could have given up zero if they had to call that a catch in right field. Need to see the replay on that. Uh, but it was... Uh, it was, you know, a little, you know, like we talk about a lot, it's got to be somebody different every night. And, and uh, last night or tonight was a few different guys. Yeah, you know, Dean Kramer now has been at least decent in 12 of his last 15 starts. He remains on a nice run. His overall numbers for this regular season still aren't good. Uh, 21 starts, an ERA of 459, a whip of 131. But he in this month of July now, over four starts as an ERA at 292 and a whip of 0.89. And it's a good thing that Dean Kramer on Monday evening was good because the Orioles' offense was not good. Uh, the O's totaled just three runs, uh, just five hits, and just one walk, went one for four with runners in scoring position, struck out 11 times, had all kinds of problems with the Philly starting pitcher, Christopher Sanchez. He allowed two runs in seven innings with eight strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, however, three Orioles batters in particular did come through. Uh, Colton Kowser. So he came off the bench to play center field. Uh, the Orioles starting center fielder, Aaron Hicks, had a hamstring issue, but Kowser went one for three with an RBI double and did get credited with an outfield assist. Kowser added Orioles one run ninth, a tie-breaking two-out opposite field RBI double to left field for a 3-2 Orioles lead. Uh, the ball got by a diving ex-nat in Kyle Schwarber. Big hit for Kowser. The O's on July 5th selected the contract of Colton Kowser from AAA Norfolk. He, at the time of being called up to the majors, was the number 14 prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. Now, Kowser so far in the majors has struggled, but good to see him come through in a big spot as he did on Monday evening. Another recent big call-up for the O's was Jordan Westberg. Uh, he, on Monday evening, as the Orioles' starting second baseman and number five batter, went one for three with a solo homer. Uh, Westberg ended Orioles one run second, had a one-out opposite field solo homer to right field for a one nothing Orioles lead. His first career Major League regular season home run. Uh, the O's on June 26 selected the contract of Westberg from AAA Norfolk. He, at the time of being called up to the majors, was the number 34 prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. Uh, Westberg, over 69 Major League Plate appearances, has an OPS of 757. And also homering for the Orioles on Monday evening was Ryan Mountcastle. Now, you know, we've talked about Mountcastle. He's not been starting regularly lately, uh, thanks in part to these call-ups. He's kind of been an odd man out, but Mountcastle on Monday evening as the Orioles starting first baseman and number three batter, one for three, with a solo homer. And what a homer this was. So Mountcastle ended Orioles one run six, a one out first pitch solo homer on a moonshot to center field for a 2 1 Orioles lead. The homer winner projected 451 feet for Stadcast. That was some homer by Mountcastle, uh, who is having a tough season. You know, his OPS for this regular season is just 703. Uh, also, he missed a good bit of time due to vertigo. Uh, Mountcastle was on the 10-day injured list from June 13th, retroactive to June 10th until July 9th. 
uh, due to vertigo. Game two for the O's at the Phillies Tuesday evening at 6.40. The former Philly, Kyle Gibson, will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 619. will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game two of a three-game series against the Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday evening at 6.40 of game two of a three-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. So the great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. When they can't hate on your game, they'll hate on your frame.